Welcome to North Bay Christ the King. You're listening to our weekly service message podcast. Join us every Sunday morning at 9.30 and 11 o'clock at our campus location in Birch Bay, Washington. Thank you for tuning in. was here last week and is with us today. I appreciate Larry and his message on just a, a challenge on life-changing faith to, to live out. So we're going to jump back in to chapter 10 of Ecclesiastes. Ecclesiastes is an interesting book. And I, I was thinking about this. is like there's a lot of um, challenges I find as a pastor preaching that if I had more of my choice in the sense of like, there's books that I could just stay with. I, I love the Gospels. I love Jesus. And we can't go wrong with Jesus and what we hear and what he, his life and teaching. But there's all of the Bible. And it's important that we read all of the Bible, not just sections of it, the ones that make us feel good or, or that little scripture verse on the calendar and it inspires us. Nothing wrong with that. But there's also harder teachings. There's teachings in scripture that... Quite frankly, I don't even want to read sometimes because they're hard. And they're they're and with with Solomon, who many believe is the teacher in Ecclesiastes, he probably had a team of people to help him write that. But he gets honest. He he's honest with his feelings. And I appreciate a person like that that's honest, saying, Hey, life's hard. Here's some things I've learned, and here's some things I've I've done that you should follow my example. But he's really saying there's many things. I've done that you shouldn't do, and I want to warn you of it. And we're going to get to that here today in the warning. And, and he does that in an example of, well, he gives a label to, I believe, none of us would want to wear. Okay, we would not want to wear this jersey on it. We would want this name on the back of our jersey. This is a name, a title that we don't want to have, that we're going to look at what Solomon had here today that we're going to unpack. But the reality is we wear a lot of labels in life, don't we? We wear a lot of things that support what we're about. And, you know, we're here, we can be a fan, and hopefully we're fan here and a fan here, a fan, fan of Jesus, right? That's the fan fest, we're a fan of Jesus. But we can wear labels that identify us in, in what our world has put us on. And, and some of them are very basic labels that we wear. Biologically, you're either classified a male or female. Politically, you're, you could be a Republican or Democrat. And again, these are titles. These are labels people put. Philosophically, you could be conservative or liberal. Spiritually, you can be considered a, a believer or non-believer. Where, whether you wear any of those either-or labels or not, and it does get blurred in our world that we're in, people put them on you. They put them on me. But there's one label. Of all the labels and even derogatory things we could be called, there's one that I don't think I want to be living. I don't want this to be my legacy. And Solomon hits on this. Not to be this way. He describes the either or people throughout the book of Ecclesiastes, specifically in chapter 10, of someone being wise and someone be a fool. You ever been called a fool? Hey, you fool. You know, we kind of joke about doing that. I don't think anybody wants that on the back of their jersey. I wouldn't want fool. I wouldn't want a label be labeled that way. And Solomon gives some incredible, incredible warning about that. Now, when we talk about wisdom and foolishness. What I've found, and I believe this is true, and we'll find in Scripture points out, that one man's intelligence or level of education does not determine whether they're wise or they're foolish. There, there are many, many well-educated people 
that actually would be considered a fool. Many people that are, have no education, little education, are considered wise. So I'm going to give extremes of this, but picture an atheistic university professor with four degrees at prestigious universities versus a devout follower of Jesus who works at McDonald's flipping burgers. Which one's wise? Which one's fool's? Well, which standard are we going? We go with what the world's saying is standard. Or we, do we look at what God's standard of wisdom and foolishness? See, according to Scripture, and I believe this conviction, is the, di- the difference between a wise person and a foolish person isn't determined by one's intelligence or one's position, but rather in their one's response to God. Response to God. Bible says this, the foolish The fool says in his heart, there is no God. Brilliant, you could be on a secular level, but you can be a fool on a sacred one. Solomon, who is believed to write also Proverbs, says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. And so Solomon, as we're going to look at here, he he exemplifies the interesting thing of his life, both a wise man and a foolish man at the same time. Solomon, who took over the throne for his father David, who David and many mistakes he made and adultery and murder and all that, he's still labeled. He was labeled as a man after God's own heart. And Solomon, his son, follows in his footsteps and really does exemplify what it means to be a real true follower of God in the midst of a lot of, a lot of people were, were not worshiping Yahweh, the Lord, the Lord God, and following other gods and all that was going on. And Solomon is shown this, and so God himself comes, speaks to him, and, and says to Solomon, Solomon, I'm going to give you anything you want. Imagine your life. You get one wish. What would that wish be? Solomon, you can have anything in the world you want. What do you want? He goes, I need wisdom to, to govern your great, great nation. And God's like, oh my gosh, Solomon, that is an amazing answer. I knew your heart was right. I knew you're a humble man. I knew you wanted that. You know what? I'm not only going to give you wisdom, I'm going to give you, every, give you everything else. Well, what happened was, for Solomon, he got everything else. He had everything. He had wisdom. He had power. He had women. I mean, talk about women. He had 700 wives and 300 concubines. I mean, talk about, like, how many mother-in-laws do you need? Like, seriously. Like, really, how many know you can get everything you want, and that ends up, what you have ends up being your detriment? That's really for Solomon, because not only had the excess of wives, but they all came from, many of them came from different nations and brought paganism. They brought different worship ways and, and, and actually worshiping other gods and false gods. And so Solomon got caught up. He once was wise, but toward the end of his life, he became a fool. But what makes him wise, I believe, is this, that he recognized his foolishness. At the end of his life, he recognized his foolishness. And he calls it, as he saw that, a chasing after the wind. You ever had anything like in your car and you roll down your window and it flies out? Like a paycheck? Like, or, you know, something you're like, whoa! You know, and you pull over and you try to look for it. I've had things like that happen before. Like, okay, that was a really important piece of paperwork that I just let it go out the window. And he's almost saying, I, I'm grasping, I'm trying to grab hold of what it is, and I just can't quite get it. I, get, I just think I got enough, you know, enough wealth or enough power or enough, you know, 
relationships is never, never, never enough. And he comes a place, he goes, I've been a fool. I've been a fool. And I think we see this happening through his life. And I think a lot of it has to do with he didn't, he didn't pay attention to the warning signs. The, the people that came along say, whoa, Solomon, I think you're going a little too far. I mean, you got 300 wives. You really need 700, okay? You, you, have, you have everything. Why, why do you need more? Why do you need to send out the armies to expand? What, you, I mean, ego, ego, everything was building. It was almost like running red lights and just kept going. Oh, I ran that one. I'm just going to keep driving. And he ignored the, the warning signs. And he kept on going, kept on going. And, you know, it, it continues to speed up for him. And it's in our culture that says to us the same thing to do that. Just keep going the way you're going. Just, just follow your heart. Have you heard that? Just follow your heart. Just be you. Don't let anything stop you. Well, he lived what is a famous phrase coined by Alexander Pope. You probably don't know who that name is, but you might have heard of this phrase that he wrote in the... 18th century, fools rush in where angels fear to tread. Ever heard that before? Angels, or I'm sorry, fools rush in where, where angels fear to tread. Fools rush in. I tell you, in my life, I have cringe moments and moments of regret that I rushed in, and not thinking, not praying, just followed my heart, and it had a lot of consequences. I think back when I was in, a student. I just wanted to get the assignment done. And I just got it done. I just worked really, really hard, really, really fast. I didn't really care about the quality of my work. And I came back with the teacher going, redo, red pen, all over it. You got to do this again. And all the extra effort. Some of you have done that before. I think of my life where I've impulse buyed. Okay? It's danger one click on Amazon. And hey, Alexa, order me what? And all of a sudden things show up at your door. Did I order this? I think I was just talking to somebody and it just showed up. How did this happen? And we get caught up in late night nachos. It's okay at 19 years old, but 49, not good. Don't get to sleep when I eat late night nachos. It's a lesson I learned. You know, lashing out at a person. Man, it, I wish I could go back and take my words back, but you can't take them back. I look back at my life or just things on a whim. I did this. And I'm like, oh, why? And we have regrets. You have them. Our life can be filled with them. And and I'm not saying that we shouldn't take leaps of faith and take a risk. And, you know, but if we're not calculating that risk, if we just rush in and hurry along in our life, we find ourselves in a place of foolishness. And that's what really Solomon's getting at here today. As we unpack chapter 10, don't be a fool like me. Don't be a fool. Don't want, don't, at the end of your life, you don't want to wear the label on your back as a jersey, fool. You don't want to do that. So if you don't want to have that label, I don't want to have it. Let's look at this here in chapter 10, verse, first 14 verses we're going to look at here today. And these are like proverbial statements. That's what they call them, proverbial statements. Warning not to live this way, not to do this thing. The first warning you could call it this is avoiding the disgrace of a fool. We need to, in our lives, dis- Avoid, avoiding the, the disgrace of a fool. He, he says in verse 1, As dead flies give perfume a bad smell, so a little folly outweighs wisdom and honor. Now, there's a lot of gross things in life, but when you're eating something or drinking something, you're sitting on the deck watching the sunset at Birch Bay, and you look and you got a floaty. You're like, 
I'm not having that. I don't know. You shouldn't fish it out. You should get a new drink, by the way. That's disgusting, right? Go to a salad bar and you see a dead fly on a crouton. I'm done. I'm having the soup, right? There is a time you're going, I'm not going to go. And, and really, Solomon is kind of a gross way. He's describing like, that's what a fool does. It's the little things. The little things that can ruin everything. Solomon understood fine perfume and ointments. He had the best spices in the world, the perfumes in the world, and all that. He knew even one little dead fly ruins everything. A little fly, maybe you heard the, the term, a fly in the ointment. A dead fly can stink up your life. And Solomon poetically is basically saying, a tiny foolish act can destroy the powerful fragrance of a person's dignity, respect, character, contributions, and reputation. I'll give you an example of, and I love how Solomon's basically, don't do what I do. I had a, really God's grace, an opportunity of a, a person coming to me early on. I was first year as a youth pastor right out of college. And this guy in my church comes to me and he brings a box of books to my office. And he goes, here, you can have all my books. They're all in youth ministry. I once was a youth pastor, but I'm no longer qualified to be a youth pastor anymore. I'm like, what happened? I hit a kid. What do you mean hit him? I punched him in the face. I'm like, man, that's quite the event to get upset like that. I mean, he, he, he began to unpack his life a little bit and how he's dealing with anger issues and things are building up in his life. And he was continuing on and finding success on the outside. And things came to head and the kid, you know, he goes, he was a punk. I mean, he was, he was mouthing off to me and that. But I, there was no reason whatsoever in the world to do what I did. And I have deep regrets for it. He was disqualified from really ever working with students again. He's like, don't do what I did. And what would happen? Rushed in with anger. And it happened. Just one little decision, one little moment, a mess up, which was a huge mess up, changed everything for him. The little things will get us every time. One foolish word, one foolish comment, one foolish decision, one foolish indiscretion will bring great disgrace and stink up your entire life. Jesus said these. He said, a little yeast works through a whole dough. So as you go into your way, think about this a little bit. A little glance, one little swipe or click, a passing little flirtation, a little edge to the tone of your voice, a, a little padding of the expense account, a little experimentation in the wrong area, that one moment of rage like my friend that ruined his life and the lives of many people, specifically even that boy that happened to. See, avoid the disgrace Avoid the disgrace of a fool. Another thing is this, is avoid the direction of a fool. Avoid the direction of the fool. Verse 2, the heart of the wise inclines to the right, but the heart of the fool to the left. Now, is there any, is there any left-handers here? Raise your hand if you're left-handed. Okay, do you have your left hand up, by the way, if you raise your hand? Okay, good. I was making sure. Oh, on the right. You do have a right. I was like, all right, left. I'm facing you. Okay, I'm confused. So that's good. I was just testing. Well, oh, yeah, I'm really. No, really, you are. You're, you had left hands up. You are about 10% of the population. You, are, you already know this already. There's, there's a few of you, right? And you're considered one of the most talented, artistic groups of people for that. But you have had to live in a right-handed world. Now, you just celebrated on Monday, it was Left-Handers Day. I don't know if you knew that. You missed it. So next year, you get that back. Uh, but you should get a day. Because all through history, right-handers got, you know, and in, in really in history, were considered the place of honor. And, you know, the right hand of someone is their honor and, and praise and glory and all that. But Solomon's talking about right here is 
the, not the right of a right side, but the, the wise way, a better way of life. There, but there is a right and there's a left. There's a decision that we make in life. And he says this, is that even as fools walk along the road, they sense and show everyone how stupid they are. <laughs> And you laugh at that just with the word stupid. It's like, because I think about times in my life of stupid things I've done, but I've led people astray to, you know, ending in a bad location. There was a day, some of you believe this, we didn't have GPS. We couldn't just, you know, take our phone out and put it in and like, oh, we just fall, turn here, right here. We like pull out the map. The map was outdated. There was a crease. You ever had the map where there's a rip in the map? And exactly where you needed to go on the map is the rip in the map. Okay, I remember those days. I was like, oh, I'm right in the crease. So you figure out where you're going, and then what's worse is like, oh, no, 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 I know the way. Let me take you the way. And you're driving along, and you're going off. You're like, okay, now we're on a dirt road. This doesn't look right. And you're going, and you're driving. And finally, you, you get, I call it the park of shame. You put it in park, you go like, oh, no. I think I'm lost. And you got like five cars behind you. They're all following you. And you walk over, roll down the window, like, you know, no cell phones. You just have to say, uh, I'm lost. And like, you fool. You know, we're lost. We're all lost, right? That's happened, right? Maybe it's happened recently. But here's the thing. What leading people astray is not just physically. We can lead people astray emotionally and spiritually. Deep shame and regret is experienced because one bad decision can just be so, so devastating. I think of my friend. Not only did it ruin his life, ruin this teenage boy's life, it affected it affected his parents and it affected his own own family. It was it was a really bad thing. I mean, he ended up not only losing losing his job, but he was he was put into custody. Okay, I mean that's a serious thing, and it was all because of that moment of anger. Now, speaking of anger, if a he goes on verse four, Solomon says, if a ruler's anger rises against you, do not leave your post. Calmness can lay great offenses. To rest. Calmness can lay great offenses to rest. I don't know how bad your boss is. Don't raise your hand if you have a bad boss. But some of us have worked for under seagull management. Have you heard of seagull management? It's so appropriate to say this in Birch Bay in the summertime. And basically what it is, is seagull management, they, they fly in and they squawk really loud and they crap all over you and they leave. Okay? I can say that today because it's so appropriate in Birch Bay. It's, there's a context, okay, for that. But you've lived life where people are just dumps things on you. Like, they cause all this commotion. They're like, now i got to clean this mess up. Now i got to do that. What do you do with, with a bad boss? What do you do when someone comes to you in anger? How do you, how do you, how do you react to that? Well, I want challenges with this is don't react. Actually, more importantly, respond. There's a time of response. It doesn't mean we ignore. It doesn't mean you need to be a, you know, uh, a doormat and let people walk over. There's a time you need to stand your ground. It's important you to do that. But so easily we can react. And, and so Solomon's basically saying, he says, calmness can lay great offenses to rest. To be calm. You, you know, keep calm, carry on. You've seen the sign that says that. A gentle, Proverbs, he says, a gentle answer turns away wrath. When we react quickly, to the person. And they could be up here. And you're like, if you go there, man, that's a battle. But you think, you know what? I'm going to take a deep breath. In fact, I'm going to count to a 10. Oh, count to a thousand. And then I'm going to respond. You don't always have to jump to response. And believe me, I'm a jump in type of person to take time. Wisdom. See, fools rush in. Wisdom says, wait a moment. Wait a second. Take a deep breath. 
Proverbs, he says, a wise person gives thought to their ways. Careful in their decision-making. Choice of friends, financial investments, habits and priorities. That we need to navigate through our life like a rudder on a, on a ship. Wisdom is the rudder that guides us along. Fools don't even have a rudder. <laughs> they just go. And wherever the wind's directing them back and forth, they don't care. And what happens in the carelessness, carelessness, you know what, leads to impulsiveness. When you don't have a plan, you're reacting to everything, right? If you ever want to go on a diet, you need a plan. You're like, oh, I'm going to eat healthy today. And you open your cupboard and you got Doritos and, you know, soda. Like, oh, okay, tomorrow I'll start because I'd eat these Doritos. Like, you know, you got to have a plan of attack. You got to have a way. If you want to be healthy, if you want to take steps in your spiritual life, there's some things you got to do to put in place. And you can't live in reaction to everything around you. Solomon warns us of the, dis- the, of the direction of a fool. Don't follow in their footsteps. He goes on, he says, this is pretty serious. He goes, he goes that foolishness can really lead to evilness. Look at, look at the next verse here. Do we have that, Anthony? The next verse here. He says, there is an evil that I have seen under the sun, the sort of error that rises from a ruler. Fools are put in many high positions, which the rich occupy the low ones. So, so what he's saying is, is that there is going to be people in power that you're going, I don't agree with. Well, if you like democracy, you know, vote in the election, okay? You have a voice with your vote. But sometimes we don't always have the ability to choose who's over us or who's... And, and, and Solomon's basically saying, hey, there comes a day when f- foolishness is going to play itself out. If you don't like this person and they're in charge of you or whatever's happening, it will, pl- it will play out. And there, there's high-powered fools. He says this in verse 5. He says, I've seen slaves on horseback while princes go foot like slaves. He said, there's a day that comes. There will be a day where it, foolishness in wise people, it will be filtered out. But really, I think he's saying here is that foolishness is so much connected to pride. A person says, I've got this figured out. I'm in charge. I'm going to do this. I don't need anything, need help. And these people in high positions eventually get a low position. A person going from like, hey, I'm riding a high horse to now I am on foot, chained as a slave. And it, and it happens. Jesus declares this. He says, for those who exalt themselves will be humbled. And those who humble themselves will be exalted. A reminder to us, not to those out there, to ourselves and the pride that's there. We humble ourselves, or if not, you will, you will be humble. Another warning, you can really consider this, avoiding the, the dangers of a fool. Avoiding the dangers of a fool. Where he goes down the road is it, the, the danger is really a self-destructive path. Don't go there. Don't Watch out for these, these dangers. And he, he describes them in four different, I broke my fingers, so four, four different ways that are self-destructive as a fool did not go there. The first is this, it's, it's a picture of a pit. In verse 8, he says, whoever digs a pit may fall into it. Now, war strategy, they probably do it today in parts of the world where they do this, is they basically dig a, a pit for the enemy. You know, it's, it's, they, they dig a pit and they cover it up with branches and everything. And now if you dig multiple pits, <laughs> you better remember like the map of where you put the pits. Right? We're, we're, oh, is this, you know, how far away? Because guess what? You can fall into your own pit. And you, you and I have that. We've sabotaged our own life many times, haven't we? 
We sabotage our own life where, where basically we fall in the pit. Now, what kind of pits do you have in your life? What are, what are potential dangers? Well, a pit is a pathway towards sin. It takes you down to the dark places that you don't want to go. It's your trigger point. It's your weakness. That will, your Achilles heel, that will take you down. There's so many ob, the obvious ones, but you know, these are the classic things. If you're battling with alcoholism, the bar is not a great place to be. Well, that's where my friends are. You need to get some new friends, okay? Or do something different than you need to do in that location. Not a good thing. If you're an addict or former addict, you know this already, but hanging out with that person, not a good idea because you used to get high with that person. A gambler. Silver Reef is not where you need to be. Well, I love the buffet. It's not where you need to be. Okay? Adulterer. The, the pit is the flirtatious coworker that you tend to want to have lunch with every day. Don't go there. Don't go that way. These are obvious pits. And you're like, oh, that's other people. Well, here's some more subtle pits that we can find ourselves into, especially in church. Is we can get in the pit of gossip. It's called a prayer request. Prayer request that turns into gossip is, oh, we need to pray for such and such. Her, she's struggling. Her husband and her might get a divorce. Oh, okay. That sounds like a prayer. It sounds like a gossip. It really does. Right. Well, shouldn't we pray? Yeah, we pray. We spread that all over. They're protecting people. We can follow ourselves in the sin of, of envy. And this happens a lot where we protect ourselves because you get with people that brag about what they have. We got this and we did this and really like, and you know, you're, you know, you have a really nice, you feel like you have a nice house and you go visit someone else's house and go like, ours place is a pit. This is, this is a dump, you know, that is a pit that we can fall into. Greed does the same thing. We just, we get consumed in discontentment. You're like, I just need to order this again. One click, Amazon, you know, Alexa, send me careful. Okay. There's trigger points in our life. What is your trigger point? See, a pit is our weakness. It's there. It, it's what Hebrews says, a sin that so easily entangles us. That get us caught in something with that weak point. So here's my question for you. Are you running away from your pit or towards it? See, what's your intention? You know maybe where the pit is. Like, I, wanna, I don't want to go there. It's somewhere over there. And we try to sometimes get so close to the pit thinking, oh, we're not going to get affected. And we're in the dark place again. It happens so quickly. Bible says, flee sexual immorality. Run. Be like Joseph, you know, the, the, the Potiphar's wife. He was trying to like, come to bed with me. No, run, run, run for us. Run. Don't, don't go there. Don't go, you know, go. I don't know why I said that, but just don't go there. Don't do it. Run. Fools rush in. Wisdom watches out. Solomon uses another example of danger fools. He says this of a wall and a snake. He says, whoever breaks through the wall may be bitten by the snake. And the wall here is actually, in Hebrew, it's actually the word hedge. And so a hedge is like a bush, and you know, and, and you maybe prayed the hedge of protection. Lord, I pray a hedge of protection over somebody. Really what the hedge is, it was a barrier, a natural barrier that they used to protect themselves from the enemy. But if you went through the hedge, you had to be careful because there were snakes. And Solomon's saying, watch out for the snakes if you want to break through the barrier, and I, I think really analogy is looking at the God's law, God's hedge of protection for us. Somebody's like, I want God to protect me. But are you, God has these rules. He has these, he has these laws in, in our life to protect us. And sometimes we step outside of that, think we're still trying to get God's protection. And actually like, why didn't I get protection? Because you stepped outside of it. And that's what he's saying. And, and a fool basically is like, I'm going to step outside or through this hedge and what happens is they get bit. 
A fool thinks they can pull it off without getting bit. And you will get bit. There eventually, everybody will get bit. I don't know if you've heard the dumbest statement ever. Does anybody know the dumbest statement ever? Some of you are thinking, I've heard a lot of dumb things, stupid things. Let me just tell you the dumbest thing you could ever say. This is words of a fool. Really, I mean, there's so much, right? Things you can say. This is the dumbest statement. This is this. This is it. Catch this. That would never happen to me. Is that the dumbest statement you could say? I would never do that. I would never go that way. I would never do this. I would never. Oh, never. Right? What are you doing? You're going, it's pride. I, I never do that. I'm never capable. No, we're, we're, we're all capable of the grossest, sickest sin. You know that. You know your heart. But the denial is, oh, that would never happen to me. And what the danger is, why it's dumb, why it's dumb is this. Is when you do that, you just lift all safeguards, all boundaries. You think you're above the law. You think you're above. You're above. You know, I'm. I'm. A, I've. A, I've arrived in my Christian walk, and I'm. I'm better. I'm more holy, and all this. And pr- when people do that, that's pride. And pride comes from a fall, fall, as we read. And hum, you know, Christ will humble us, right? If we're not being humbled, and it'll happen. And when we say those statements, we say that we think we could pull it off and not get burned and not get bit. Skip in verse 11 about snakes. It says, if a snake bites before it's charmed, the charmer receives no fee. And some of you are like, amen. Amen. You're like, what does that mean, right? I, I'm not, I don't know much about snake charming in this part of the world, but I know about farming. We just had the fair, right? So we're, 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 we're farmers out here. We're, we're an ag, ag community. We, we understand farming, that you reap what you sow. Eventually, it will come out. It, eventually, there will... Verse 9, go, go back to it. It says, whoever... Um, let me go back a step, a step. Basically, there, you will get... You will get burned. You will get caught. You will be you know, exposed. You will get hooked. You will be found out. You will be exposed. There will be money missing. They're going, who took the money? There will be a, a witness. There will be a mistress. There will be a dead body in the trunk. Okay, I watch too many time, crime shows. I've seen this before. This, your Bible says the sin will find you out. A fool says there's no consequences. So be careful of that. Be careful of that. Brazenness leads to foolishness. Now, verse 9. Whoever quarries stones may be injured by them. Whoever splits logs may be endangered by them. He's saying, listen, what you're working on that you're doing actually can affect you. Just doing what you're doing, not really paying attention to what you're doing, you can can hurt yourself. If the axe is dull, its edge is unsharpened, more than strength is needed, but skill will bring success. When I picture this axe analogy, this this word picture, I think of this story, it's a classic story of a, a young man that wants to work on a logging crew, and he has a foreman that he goes to and says, I want to work for your crew. And he goes, well, let me see you fall that log. And man, this, this kid just hacked through, you know, chopped through that log, that, that, that tree, and it fell very, very quickly. He goes, you're hired. And this guy, this young man, he was on the top of the list of how many trees he could fall within a day. He was number one on Monday, even number two on Tuesday. But then he was starting to slip on Wednesday. And then he was really down the far pack on, on Thursday. On Friday, he was, he was dead last. 
He went from the, the best logger to the worst logger in one week. And the, the farmer comes to him and says, here's your paycheck, you're done. He goes, oh, wait a second. I work really, really hard. I did, how could you do this to me? I tried hard, I don't understand. And the farmer had a little bit of grace toward him. And he goes, let me ask, did you ever stop and sharpen your axe? He goes, no, I was too busy. I was too busy doing the work. And that's a simple thought, but it's so true for us is that we can get so caught up in what we're doing that we don't take time to sharpen our axe in life, to grow, to improve skills, to, to areas of our life that we need to improve and specific our own walk with Jesus. If you want to be sharp follower of Jesus, it's taking time each morning or during your day to sharpen your axe in your devotion to God and spend time in his word and in prayer. If you want to slice and dice through life, you're going to end up living a dull, ineffective life. Because you haven't taken time. Wisdom says to stop. Fools rush in. Wisdom reflects and takes in and learns and grows. Those are some dangers. But also a final warning of fools is this. Is avoid the discourse of a fool. The words. He says words from the mouth of the wise are gracious. But fools are consumed by their own lips. You ever met that woman or that man? that talks about themselves all the time. And you're just the tolerance level. Like, they are so into themselves. They are so... And I think what we think is they're so big into themselves. And I thought about it a little bit. When people talk about, when they give their resume, you mentioned, oh, I've done this, this, and this, and here's my card. You know, they're really not... It's not that they're big in themselves. They're actually very small in themselves. They have to boost who they are because their value and who they are doesn't, doesn't feel, they don't feel valuable. And what we can do is give value to them where value matters and, and they're valuing Christ. And if that's you and you're thinking, man, I talk a lot about myself, just stop a moment going, why do you do that? Your value, you are valuable. And if you know Christ, what matters is that you're his. You're his child, you're, you're his friend. You, you have everything you need. You don't have to prove anything to anyone but we can do that sometimes. We can become so insecure. And he goes on about foolish talk. He says, at the beginning of their words are folly. At the end, they're wicked madness. He says, fools multiply their words. No one knows what's coming. Who can tell someone else what will happen after them? We can get caught up. We can be tricked by empty promises. And fools rush into those once-in-a-lifetime deals that are there. We're like, <laughs> Angels won't even go there. They don't even, that you're, you're not, you don't understand. So in our lives, when we look back, that fools rush in. Fools are in a hurry. Fools are not thinking through and they continue on in their own selfishness and their own sinfulness and their own ways and their own insecurities that go with that. They rush in. They rush in their actions. They rush into their, into their attitudes and life and what they're doing. They rush with their words. And we come find ourselves in that place that we we simply need to stop. And our attitude, if you're at that place, I encourage you with this to stop and, and do one thing. Have one emotion. You know what the emotion is? Is fear. You're thinking, wait a second. No, at the beginning of the message I said, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Fear, not being, not anxiety, not, not oh, what do I do next? No, not, not, not that kind of fear. No, we're talking the holy awe of God. 
they would stop and go, oh God, you're so much bigger than my life. Your plans are so much broader and more comprehensive and perfect and everything. All right, I just want to stop. And if, if you want to approach God, you, you and I can't approach God in, in his, all his holiness is perfection without Jesus. Jesus, the one who was the perfect model of wisdom, that, that did not have one foolish bone in his body, did not do one foolish thing, but actually lived a life of surrender and modeled to us what the life we are called to, to live a life of wisdom. As Chris comes, as we wrap up here this morning, as we close in a song, I'm just ask a simple question for your life and for my life. Are you Russian? Are you Russian in your life? Are you, are, you, are you wrestling with a decision right now? And, and, and I understand some decisions need to be made. You might be finding this week, you've got to decide on something. And, and, and yet quickly not preparing for that, not praying about it, not just, just making a decision, going in your gut. Can I, can I warn you of that? That doesn't always go good. To seek wisdom. Say, God, help me in the decision. Find wise people around you. Are you forcing something to happen in your life? You're trying to make a relationship work? You're trying to make a plan come together? Are you trying to force two people to get along? Stop and say, I can't. I, I, I'm rushing, trying to force. It's, it leads to foolishness. And not them. The foolishness can be on you. Are you an emotional roller coaster? Highs and lows and that. You're just, you're, you're missing, you're missing. The fools rush over here and do over here. and It's chaotic to stop and reflect. And this would be honest. Some of us, and you're, you're obedient enough to be here, but you would think there's some inner, inner disobedience going on, inner rebellion. You're like, I don't really care anymore. I'm just going to run every red light in my life and I'm going to go down that path. Don't go toward the pit. Run from the pit. Run to Jesus. Jesus. The Bible says, run, you know, flee sexual immorality. Flee immorality. Flee whatever sin it is that's so easily entangles. But run the race of perseverance. Fixing your eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of your faith. See, foolish people don't finish. Don't be a fool. Don't wear that label in your life. That's not your label. If you want to be wise, Seek the wisdom and follow the wisest one, Jesus himself. He's the way. He's, he's the truth. He's the life. And let's be in awe of God and all that he's doing. All through our attitude of surrendering, really at this moment. In fact, I want to invite you to just to bow your head as we close our Fan Fest weekend here. To stop before we move on to other things and other opportunities and fun things we do we can so distract in our life to take take a moment and just just pause and seek the face of Jesus to look and gaze upon his holiness the holiness that was embodied on the, on the very cross that became sin for us so we can be called the righteousness of God, that we can be pure and we be holy before, and we can be in awe of God, and we can have access to the Father because, because of the Son and what He did for us. And as we do that, as we approach the throne of grace with, with boldness and courage this morning, is there an area of your life that you're rushing? Is there an area of your life that you're, you're trying to make happen happen? Are you distracted and pulled away? Is there pits that you're drawing to? What is that? What is that sin? What is that weakness? 
What is that anxiety that's there? Don't, don't be in fear of that. Be in awe and fear of God and who He is and to, to live your life in the light of His holiness in your life. That, that's where it truly matters. Lord, thank you for this opportunity here today. Thank you, God, that we can take this time to reflect. Lord, we don't reflect enough. Thank you today for this. Thank you, Lord, that the space that we can have to stop and, and recognize your holiness and that we can't approach your holiness without your son and having access through the cross. And we're grateful for that. But God, we come before your throne of grace and we lay down our hurry. We lay down our anxiety. We lay down whatever is holding us back, whatever pit that we potentially can fall into. For some even today, they're going, I'm in a dark place right now. Lord, may they just look up in a pit that we just look up to the sky. We look up to you, the one that we put our focus on, the one that is the author and the finisher of our faith, Jesus. May we trust you for that. And if there's some here this morning that have not given their life to you, may they recognize their own pit of sinfulness. And Lord, they would just turn to you and say yes to you, Jesus. Not only I want the forgiveness that you provide through the cross. But Lord, I choose this day to follow you, to walk in the ways of wisdom. Lord, for some here today that think, oh, that would never happen to me. Oh God, be with them today. Me, in our lives this week, Lord, may we put the hedges of protection, the guarding of our heart, the seeking straight for you and who you are and never stop pursuing you Lord, we may, may we be your greatest fan, we pray, as we follow you in Jesus' name. Amen.